Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 830 on Friday, February 7th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the state auditor's office uncovers an embezzlement scheme. Then the U.S. Department of Justice Civil Rights Division announces an investigation of the Department of Corrections. And the Fifth Circuit Court hears the appeal in Mississippi's six-week abortion ban. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The State Auditor's Office, in cooperation with the Hines County District Attorney's Office, is uncovering what Auditor Shad White calls the largest case on record. Arrests were made on Wednesday of former Department of Human Services Director John Davis and Dr. Nancy New, owner and director of the Mississippi Community Education Center, MCEC, and New Learning Incorporated, along with four other alleged co-conspirators. Auditor White addressed the indictments at the Hines County Courthouse Thursday. Uh, This is one of the largest public embezzlement cases in state history. In fact, when we look back at our records, which span back 20 years, we could find no public embezzlement case that was larger than this. It involves millions of dollars. We cannot tell you the total amount of loss right now because this is a sprawling conspiracy. We are still investigating the matter, so we're going to continue to look to, to find additional monies that have been lost or stolen. We expect to continue that investigation and and wrap it up in the course of coming months. Uh, What I can tell you is that there are multiple individuals involved, including former director of DHS John Davis, several individuals who are are involved with a sub-grantee of DHS, the uh, New Summit School, New Learning Incorporated. Those individuals, along with a guy named Brett DiBiase uh, and a guy named Latimer Smith, who used to work at DHS, conspired together used a variety of different techniques to uh, fraudulently obtain money. They produced fraudulent documents. A lot of that money ended up accruing to their personal benefit. We have 135 men and women that work at the state auditor's office. They have been working themselves to the bone over the course of the last few months to get this done. All the credit for this investigation goes to those individuals who worked hard. 
We received information about this. They immediately started to work within hours, and we have been working hard ever since then to bring all that we can to light. So I want to thank them for their tireless efforts. Uh, for those who are doubting how hard they worked on this, I wish I could show you the workrooms where we have Red Bull and all kinds of stuff stacked up and documents because they have, been, they have been working themselves to death to get this done in a timely way. The real reason, the other reason that they have been working so hard and so diligently is not only to put a stop to this, but to put a stop to it quickly. We did not want any more money to flow to individuals who were fraudulently obtaining that money. So we felt that the most efficient way to do that, the most efficient way to put a stop to this, was to do it in state court here with District Attorney Owens, and we've got complete confidence in his team to handle this. So. Hines County District Attorney Jody Owens was also present. He says his team is confident in the evidence it presented to the grand jury. We have confidence in the evidence that was presented to us. We knew it was the right time to take this case to stop the things that were occurring in Mississippi, as the state order has said. And because of the ongoing investigation and now the ongoing prosecution, we are limited to what we can say and do. But know this, we will continue to hold those accountable that do these things to our county and to our state. And when we preach the principles of smart justice, these type of crimes hurt our communities just as much as the violent crimes. Now, we're an agency that works well with all state agencies and governmental bodies, and we will continue to do so to get this thing resolved. One of the more notable elements of the investigation was the lack of federal presence. Upon release of the indictments, the U.S. Attorney's Office indicated it had no prior notification of the action by the auditor and district attorney. In a statement, U.S. Attorney Mike Hurst said, Investigating and prosecuting cases of this magnitude and complexity is routinely what the FBI and U.S. Attorney's Offices do here in Mississippi and around the country. In the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of Mississippi, we have a long successful record of working with our local and state law enforcement, prosecuting public corruption and complex white collar fraud and bringing all who violate the law to justice. When asked about the absence of the FBI and U.S. Attorney's Office, Auditor Shad White stressed the urgency of the investigation. Well, I can tell you that what we thought was that the most important thing was to determine what happened. And then if we found that money was being taken, money was being stolen, that we put a stop to it quickly and efficiently. This is the state of Mississippi. State laws were broken. We identified the state laws that were broken, and we were happy to take this to District Attorney Owens to, to let him look at it. I'll say this, too. Uh, there's a lot of work to be done here. This is a massive amount of money that we're talking about. So we're going we're gonna to continue working with our federal partners to make sure that we bring every investigative resource we can to bear. That's going to include the investigative resources of the FBI, the OIG, anyone else who feels that they need to get involved. We're going we're gonna to work with them, and we're going to make sure that everybody's working together to get to the bottom of every penny that has been misspent or stolen. This is an example of money going to or should have gone to folks who needed it through a federal program, temporary assistance for needy families. To those families, you say, I'm incredibly sorry that this money did not go to your benefit as it should have, but you need to know that you have advocates who are standing up for you, and this is not going to be allowed anymore. It's stopping right now. Through his statement, U.S. Attorney Hurst emphasizes his office's willingness to assist in the auditor's investigation. The U.S. Attorney's Office and the FBI continues to have good working relationships with the new state auditor, the new Hines County District Attorney, and their offices. We stand ready to put the substantial experience and expertise of our offices and the entire U.S. Department of Justice to work to help our colleagues bring fraudsters, fraudsters to justice and stamp out public corruption. 
The auditor would not comment as to whether or not other taxpayer funds were stolen in this scheme, but stresses the investigation is ongoing. We are engaging right now in an audit of DHS. That audit is also going to look at how subgrantee money is spent. That audit is going to come out sometime in a couple of months or so. When that audit comes out, it is going to discuss some of the other entities that are involved, uh, the, the other kinds of spending that may not necessarily be criminal but would be inappropriate TANF spending. So all that work is being done right now, and it will be made public as soon as we're done with it. Coming up, the U.S. Department of Justice Civil Rights Division announces an investigation of the Department of Corrections. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The U.S. Department of Justice announced it's investigating four Mississippi prisons. The Civil Rights Division will examine conditions at Parchman Penitentiary, Southern Mississippi Correctional Institute, the Central Mississippi and Wilkinson County Correctional Facilities. Mississippi 2nd District Congressman Benny Thompson requested the investigation after recent violence and the deaths of at least 15 inmates, most of them at Parchman. He tells MPB's Michael Guidry, Mississippi has a problem and he hopes the DOJ's involvement will bring some solutions. We have a, a real problem at the Department of Corrections. Uh, anytime you have as many people lose their lives in the custody of the department, something's wrong. Uh, when you find facilities that don't meet health and safety standards, uh, it's a problem. And obviously, when you have a legislature that refuses to pi- provide resources to correct those problems, uh, this was just uh, something that had been predicted by a lot of people uh, in terms of exactly what's going on in the department now. And so uh, perhaps with the Department of Justice coming in, we can now get uh, some corrective action taking place going forward. As you kind of watch what's happening with the the state and the, how this administration's handling the Department of Corrections, what would you like to see regarding the Parchment State Penitentiary going forward? Well, I would like to see the Department uh, of Corrections uh, as well as the facilities at Parchment and other uh, uh, sites uh, meet the constitutional test uh, for incarceration uh, of inmates. Uh, it's not uh, a, a country club, but you would expect health and safety uh, measures to be taken for the people who are there. Uh, you want to make sure that uh, none of the people housed there would be put in situations where they could lose their life uh, because of uh, other people who are in there. And, it, and you're required to have the proper supervision. Uh, I think the Justice Department, uh, they have professionals who come in, make an assessment of the situation, and will say to the state of Mississippi, uh, this is what you need to do to correct the problem. 
and if these uh, violations are pointed out, uh, given the fact that we have a new governor uh, and we hear uh, from uh, the leadership in the state that they want to fix it, then I think they can form a partnership uh, with the Department of Justice and work through uh, those things that need correcting uh, in, a, in a timely manner. What factors do you attribute to the state of the Department of Corrections in Mississippi? What factors do you identify that have led us to this point? Well, it's obviously uh, uh, we've not had uh, people in Jackson, uh, both in the governor's, uh, lieutenant governor's office as well as many of the people in the legislature uh, who have uh, uh, the will uh, to correct the problems. Uh, my understanding is that past commissioners have always cited uh, various health and safety uh, concerns at the facility, uh, but the legislature uh, has been unwilling to appropriate the money, and the governor or lieutenant governor, uh, they have not been able to uh, pick up the mantle uh, and support that effort. So obviously uh, the money was not forthcoming. And because the money did not come, uh, you couldn't fix the problem. And so year in after year out, uh, the problems just got worse uh, until it reached this boiling point uh, with the loss of the lives, the rioting. Uh, and, and actually, uh, it will cost us more money now because, as you know, some inmates have been transferred to a private facility, and those private facilities are charging almost four times the, the cost of keeping them at parchment. So we're spending millions of dollars with a private facility uh, housing state inmates when if we had only invested uh, those millions in the parchment, uh, perhaps we would not be faced with this crisis situation now. Representative Benny Thompson, Congressional District 2, thank you so much. We appreciate the time you took with us today. All right. Thank you for having me. Cliff Johnson, director of the MacArthur Justice Center at the University of Mississippi, has been an outspoken critic of the Department of Corrections. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier he welcomes the power and independence of the Department of Justice. Obviously, this is great news for us. It's exactly what we wanted. We wanted the the power and the um, independence of the Department of Justice to be brought to bear on this crisis. So um, first and foremost, you know, it's something to celebrate. But um, the reality is this investigation is going to take some time. Um, it's going to take months to complete, and then it'll take additional time for findings to be issued and, and decisions to be made about whether or not the Department of Justice will, for example, file a lawsuit. We as Mississippians have to take responsibility for this crisis, and, and we can't wait for all of that to play out. In the short term, there's a lot of work we have to do. And we need to quit waiting on other people to solve our problems for us. I hope we'll move quickly and there's some opportunities to make some changes. In your work, what have you found to be the major problems besetting the State Department of Corrections? We have way too many people in our prisons for far too few correctional officers. We have people serving lengthy sentences without possibility of parole. And, uh, and, and without programs for rehabilitation. Um, and so we have very 
frustrated inmates with very little incentive to um, to behave in the manner that that people want them to behave, who are being um, housed in hellish conditions with perhaps one guard for 128 inmates. And so that that combination of factors, too many people in the jail, far too few correctional officers, hellish conditions and hopelessness and frustration on the part of inmates creates this perfect storm where we have real um, real violence and real challenges to safety of the inmates and the people who work work in the prisons. Cliff Johnson is the director of the MacArthur Justice Center at the University of Mississippi. Governor Tate Reeves addressed the DOJ investigation at a press conference Thursday. He welcomed their support, but also indicated potential maladministration by former corrections officials. I feel certain that the Department of Justice wants the same thing I want, uh, and that is uh, to ensure that we have the dignity of every uh, person looked at and that uh, we are taking the necessary steps to ensure uh, that that is the case. If you look at the Department of Corrections, um, it appears uh, in looking at it, and and I don't 100% trust their documentation, but if you look at their documentation, it appears that they have over 600 automobiles at the Department of Corrections. It appears when you start looking at some of the um, comp time that has been looked at, um, what you find is that uh, there are some interesting pins that have received comp time uh, over the years. Um, perhaps uh, executive level uh, individuals uh, that should be looked at. Uh, there is, um, there are uh, other uh, types of commodities and and expenditures that have been approved that appear to be um, less than necessary. Tate Reeves is in his first term as governor after serving eight years as Mississippi's lieutenant governor. Coming up, the Fifth Circuit Court hears the appeal in Mississippi's six-week abortion ban. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Grammy-winning producer, hit songwriter, celebrated musician and vocalist, trusted mentor. These are just a few of the ways country music's greatest describe Mississippi's Carl Jackson. Tune in for MPB's new documentary, Meet Carl Jackson, featuring Dolly Parton, Linda Ronstadt, Emmylou Harris, Vince Gill, Marty Stewart, Tom T. Hall, and more. Exclusively on MPB Television. Thursday, February 20th at 7, with Encores Friday at 8, Saturday at 7, and Sunday at 4. For MPB's Moments in Black History, we highlight Denise LaSalle. After finding her voice in the church of her childhood home of Belzona, she switched to R&B music and in 1971 created a number one hit, Trapped by a Thing Called Love. But it was not until she signed with Jackson-based Malico Records that she became known as the Queen of the Blues. In 2015, Denise LaSalle was even inducted into the R&B Music Hall of Fame. This has been MPB's Moments in Black History. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals heard arguments Thursday in Jackson Women's Health Organization... 
organization, excuse me, V. Dobbs, a case challenging Mississippi's ban on abortion after six weeks of pregnancy. This is the first of the recent six-week abortion bans to reach a federal court of appeals. The ban was blocked by a district court last May, but the state of Mississippi appealed that decision. Hillary Schneller, an attorney with the Center for Reproductive Rights, recaps the arguments from the Fifth Circuit in Houston. So last year, the state of Mississippi passed a ban on abortion at approximately six weeks of pregnancy before many women even know they're pregnant. The Center for Reproductive Rights, on behalf of the last clinic in Mississippi, challenged that law in federal court, and the court blocked the law before it could take effect because it is clearly unconstitutional under decades of the Supreme Court precedent saying that a woman and not the state gets to make the decision about whether she will continue her pregnancy before viability. The state then appealed that decision, and today the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals heard oral argument in that appeal. Can you tell us how the morning went? I think it went well. Um, The state has agreed that the... um, A recent decision from the the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals striking down the state's previous effort to ban abortion after 15 weeks controls the decision here. So, in other words, the court has already struck down one of Mississippi's pre-viability bans. This law is an even more extreme restriction on abortion, and Essentially, everyone agreed this morning that it is also unconstitutional under that recent decision. So the state acknowledged that this was not likely to pass? The state acknowledged that the court's decision on the 15-week ban controls the outcome here because, as everyone acknowledges, six is less than 15. So if a 15-week ban is unconstitutional, so too is a six-week ban. What other states have argued this same ban, and how have they fared? So Mississippi's six-week ban is the furthest along in the court system of the recent spate of six-week bans. But Georgia, Kentucky, and Ohio have also passed six-week bans, all of which have been blocked by courts. Um, Louisiana has also passed a six-week ban, but it is not in effect Right now, the Louisiana's ban is sort of contingent on Mississippi's ban. So as long as Mississippi's ban is blocked, Louisiana's ban is also not in effect. There are no other states that have similar bans that actually are in effect? That's correct. No pre-viability ban that has been challenged is, is in effect. What would be the short-term and long-term effects with either outcome in this case? So... We expect the court to continue to block the law. It is unconstitutional under the Fifth Circuit's precedent and under decades of Supreme Court law. Um, The state has said it will appeal the Fifth Circuit's recent decision on the 15-week ban to the Supreme Court. So we expect that to be the next step um, in, in the other part of this case. Any idea when we might get a ruling Unfortunately, no. The Fifth Circuit um, issued the 15-week ban decision about two months after the oral argument, but there's, they can sort of take as much or as little time as they need on this. If the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals continues to hold up the ban, 
does the state have any other appeals? Can they go to the U.S. Supreme Court? Is that the next step? So if the Fifth Circuit continued to block the six-week ban, the state could do one of two things. They could ask the entire Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals to review that decision, or they could go straight to the U.S. Supreme Court and ask the U.S. Supreme Court to review that decision. How likely do you think that is? Um, That's really, you'd have to ask the state. Um, The state asked the entire Fifth Circuit to review the decision on the 15-week ban, and the court declined to do that. So perhaps they would make the same decision here on a a six-week ban. Are there any other details that our listeners should know about this case? I mean, I think it's important to realize that Mississippi has passed two clearly unconstitutional bans on abortion in just two years. Um, The state is really being quite aggressive in trying to strip women of their fundamental constitutional rights to make important decisions about pregnancy um, and whether or not they will have children in a state that is already very difficult for women to access abortion care in a state that only has one clinic. Hillary Schneller is a senior staff attorney with the Center for Reproductive Rights. Thank you very much, Hillary. Of course. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter, and fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.